Good morning. 11 a.m. You guys should be awake this morning. 9 a.m. was pretty solid, so um, surprising. I was actually very surprised. So if you don't know me, my name is Ben. Um, I was one of the first interns here um, back last September 2016. And um, a little bit about myself. I've been married for 17 months. Um, uh, Six months into marriage, I quit my job. And I had always told myself, I'm not fit for a church. I'm not going to belong to a church, let alone work at a church. And uh, I quit my job, and I joined staff at City Light Church. So tell God your plans, and that'll make him laugh, okay? That's what I've kind of figured out. And uh, six weeks ago, my wife, Katie, um, gave birth to Addison, our little girl. Um, So it's just been an amazing ride. Yeah. So this morning, we're going to be looking at John chapter 18. Um, But before that, let's just sum up last week. Um, Austin faithfully took us through John 17, and he showed us uh, the gracious eavesdropping of Jesus and his prayer to the Father, right? And so he prayed for himself. Jesus prayed for himself. He prayed for the disciples, and he also prayed for the future church or future believers, right? And so um, before we jump in, I just want to ask a question, and this will tell us what type of church we have. Uh, So show of hands, have have any of you prayed? Do any of you pray, right? If you don't have your hands up, you need to leave because we ain't that church. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, true story, okay, um, this is kind of a little bit of my challenge. Have you prayed to God, um, and minutes later, or just like that same day, has he challenged you with what you talked to him about? So, I mentioned that my wife um, gave birth six weeks ago. On the way to the hospital, it was May 22nd, we were scheduled to have our baby May 23rd. We went to the hospital. Um, so we're, we're anticipating, like, we don't know if it's a girl or if it's going to be a boy. We're like, okay, we just feel anxiety. Like, how is this going to happen? Is Katie going to be okay? Is, is the baby going to be okay? So, hey, let's just pray, babe. Let's pray. And so we started praying, and, and Jesus, it's not your will. Uh, it's not my will, but it's your will, God. Would we not be happy based on what the baby looks like or how she turns out or he turns out? But you have a plan, and you know what it's, what's good and what's right for us, right? So we're praying that. We go to the St. Eve's Hospital. Katie checks in, um, and we're like, okay, Katie Ullman, we're, we're scheduled to have a baby this morning. And they're like, actually, you're scheduled for tomorrow morning. And I'm like, in that moment, how, like, what? Like, we're waiting to see our child. We've been waiting nine months. Now you're telling us 24 hours, like, what if something happens? What if our baby doesn't come? What if, what if? And, and I don't know how to comfort Katie in that situation. It was just devastating, right? So one thing I'm thinking, I'm like, I got 24 more hours to play video games. Sweet. Can't wait, right? But I was walking back, and I'm convicted of, okay, I just prayed that, God, it's your will, not my will. Your plan is right for my family, and it's not my plan, right? So do I really believe that? Did I really believe that Jesus was in control in that situation? Did he know that that was going to happen? Or was it this humanly mistake that he had no idea about and kind of threw him for a spin, right? So this is why this morning matters. Um, 
Have you wondered where God has been in the midst of tragedy and chaos in, in your life? Well, if you have, like these, these verses are going to comfort you. Um, maybe, maybe you've been praying about something for the last year, and you're like, God, you haven't answered this yet. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands, and I'm going to do it for myself. And if that's you this morning, we're going to see that Jesus is in control, and he's worth um, us casting our cares to him, and, and we get to trust him in that. So um, we're going to be jumping into John 18. So if, I've, if you have a Bible, turn with me. John 18, verse 1, or it's up on the screen, or scroll on your phone. Whatever works for you. Verse 1. We'll do 11, 1 through 11. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back, fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So my first point this morning uh, is Jesus' confidence in surrender. Okay, Jesus' confidence in his surrender. Now, in, in, chap, in uh, verse 1, it says, after saying these words, comma. So, for us to dive in this morning, we need to know the context. Okay, what has Jesus been saying? Right? So, this is referring back from um, chapters 13 through 17. Okay? So, in chapter 13, Jesus does the unthinkable, gets on his hands and knees, washes the, the disciples' feet, and then we find out Judas, one of the 12 disciples, is going to betray him. Right? And then uh, chapter 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Chapter 15, I'm the vine. Abide in me, right? Chapter 16, he says, I'm leaving for a little while, and I'm going to send the helper for you, okay? And, and last week, um, so this is all happening in one night, and Jesus ends this conversation with a prayer. So this isn't multiple nights. This is all one night, all these, these chapters, Okay? Um, so this is some heady knowledge. Are you guys with me? Like, give me some, okay, I got this, so you guys should be able to get this as well, okay? Okay. So, one specific verse I want to point out is John 13, 26 to 27, and Jesus hands the morsel of bread to Judas and says, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly, right? And, then, and Judas runs off to the night. And so we see in the rest of verse 1 in John 18, Jesus and his disciples are going to the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? Um, so in the Old Testament, we are, we're like shown a bunch of heroes, right? Uh, David and Abraham, all these people, but they're stuck with sin, right? They, they fall. So they're heroes, but they have, um, 
They, they fall into sin. And so in the New Testament, we see Jesus, who's the perfect hero, and we get to see God's plan being worked out in the Bible, okay? So Jesus um, comes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and in Genesis 3, we know of the Garden of Eden, right? So we're going to p- compare and contrast these, the symbolism that God is showing us, okay? So in the Garden of Eden, uh, God created Adam, right? And Christ, the second Adam, is coming to the end of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? Adam sinned, Jesus overcame sin, okay? Adam hid himself, Jesus steps forward and says, knowing all, all that he knows in, in verse 4, steps forward and initiates a conversation, initiates um, himself to the enemies. In the Garden of Eden, Adam sinned, which led to death, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus dies to give life. Amen? Amen. You guys are with me? So in Romans 5.19, it's talking about Adam and Jesus. It says, For as by the one man's disobedience, Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus, the many will be made right with God. Jesus is redeeming the garden right here. So this is all part of the plan. Okay, this isn't some coincidence that in Genesis 3, oh, it talks about the garden, and Jesus comes to the end of his life in a garden. Like, God's plan is being fulfilled right now in these moments. Read with me verses 2 and 3. We'll see how the soldiers come and what they're um, thinking. Uh, Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. So in verse 2, our author John is kind of throwing in there, oh, by the way, Jesus' destination is to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Judas has met there multiple times throughout the last three years with Jesus. So this clearly shows Jesus is not hiding. He's not hiding. He's, he's going and voluntarily giving himself up, right, to be arrested. Jesus fully knew what was going to happen, and still he walks to Gethsemane because of his obedience to the Father's will. So we got to ask the question, uh, was this hard for Jesus, right? Jesus is the Son of God. God, the Father, tells him, hey, Jesus, you got to do this. So he must have been like a robot, right? Like he knew this was going to happen. It must have been pretty easy for him. No. So Matthew uh, 26 and Mark 14 also mention Jesus' arrest. And they said before the soldiers came to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus goes away from his disciples, falls on his face, and prays to God. And uh, Matthew twenty six thirty nine says, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Right? So he said, Is there any other way, Jesus, oh God, any other way? I'm pleading with you. This is going to be hard for me. Is there any other option? Right? The perfect man had to die a sinner's death, even death on a tree. Right? This is the best news you're going to hear. Amen? In verse 3, Judas mentions a band of soldiers. So thanks to Warren Wearsby. I think he lives here in town. If any of you know him, tell him thank you. Um, he 
is, uh, this is translated, a band of soldiers is translated to a cohort, right? So a cohort is a tenth of a legion, and so that's 600 soldiers, right? You guys can do the math on what that legion is, but um, it's not two soldiers, it's not like two police officers coming, right? This had tried to, like they've tried to capture Jesus before in, earlier in John, and Jesus walks right through them, okay? So they have weapons, they have torches, um, and they're, they're going to capture Jesus, so they think. Um, so let's look and see what happens, verses 4 through 9, okay? You guys with me? It's pretty quiet. There's no babies crying, nothing. Like, it's just like quiet, okay? Sweet. All right. Verse 4 through 9. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back, fell to the ground. So he asked, they asked him again. He asked them again, whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken, of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. So, as, again, as we touched on, this is not your original arrest, okay? It's not three cop cars and four police officers. This is a hundred or more soldiers coming to capture an innocent man who's in control, right? And so what does Jesus do? He steps forward before they say anything. Hey, whom, whom are you seeking? Jesus has the boldness to step forward and, and, and start the conversation, Right? Now, okay, I don't know. God gave me this verse for a reason, I guess. I've been arrested, okay? I, don't, I, can, I, can, I can relate in this sense. So, I don't know what you guys think about that. But, um, so, I see the officers coming to me, right? And I'm like, all right, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm not starting the, the conversation. I'm not going to ask who you're trying to find. I'm running away. I'm not going to go to whoever betrayed me. I'm not going to go to the garden and, and willingly get captured, right? This is totally opposite of what we would do. So the soldiers um, are there with weapons. And they think this is going to be a battle, right? And disciples are scared as well. Like, okay, what the heck's happening? As we'll see um, how they react. But Jesus knew the soldiers' intentions, and he voluntarily allowed the soldiers to capture him. Again, Jesus is in control. John 10, 17 to 18 says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So look with me um, what the reactions are from the, from the disciples, verses 10 and 11. We're going to see P- Peter step up and act as a man, right? Here we go. Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Man, I so wish this would be... I so wish Peter was doing the right thing here. It would be so easy to be like, dude, make sure that you get into fistfights and you stand up for Jesus and you fight for yourself. 
No, this is totally opposite of what God has been telling all of us. And, and the disciples, in this, in this context, the disciples, verses 13 to 17, as we said, uh, Jesus goes through, I'm the, the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm going to send the helper. And so Jesus is talking about a totally separate battle than what Peter is looking at. Peter's trying to fight this guy across from him, and Jesus is fighting the battle of death and conquering sin, right? Last week, Austin said, hey, um, in, in Jesus' prayer, uh, he, Jesus asked God, will you protect them from the evil one? The man across from the soldier is not the evil one, right? So this is a bigger battle than what Peter's um, getting himself into, and, he, and he's using the wrong weapons, and he's fighting the wrong person, right? So Jesus um, stands for us. We don't stand for him. Right, and, and it'd be good to just be like, gosh, well, well, Peter showed his loyalty to God. He stepped up and was a man. No, our loyalty to God is Jesus' loyalty to the Father. Okay, Amen. We have loyalty as believers in the room. We will have loyalty, and we're trying to do our best. We are not fully loyal to God. Jesus submits His will to the Father, and and His plan is it's done through that. Right. So Jesus is, is our perfect um, some substitution for that. It's not based on what we can do for the God, but it's what Jesus has done for us and submitting to the Father's will. So we want, in this passage, to fight for ourselves, but what are we fighting for? The battle is so much bigger than what we can see, and Jesus sees this, and, and the disciples just aren't getting it. Right? So City Light, walk away with something. We are not the primary um, actors to, to God. Jesus is the primary actor to God. Okay? We cannot. It's not based on our good and how loyal we are, but it's based on Jesus will never deny um, his will to the Father. Right. So Exodus 14.14 14 says, The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Do we believe that? Church, Like, do we believe these words that are written in Scripture? You only have to be silent because Jesus has already fought for you. Amen? Like Peter, we naturally want to take things into our own hands. And so our, our natural thought is like, okay, I need power, I need respect, so I'm going to take that, I'm going to act. Jesus says, no, I'm going to surrender. And because of Jesus' surrender to the Father, we can surrender to Jesus' control, right? We can surrender our lives to Christ. So point one, Jesus' confidence in surrender. Okay. Now, verses 12 through 14, um, Jesus is being taken away uh, to Annas and Caiaphas. Those are the, the high priests at that time. Um, he's going to be questioned. And the last time that we heard of Caiaphas was John eleven fifty, And so it says, Caiaphas prophesied and said, one man will die for the nation. Do you see how this is weird? Jesus is using the enemy who's planning out Jesus' death, like capture and death, and Jesus used him a couple chapters ago to prophesy to the people, right? We would not use our enemy, like our natural thing is like, let's stick around people that believe the same as me, and I'm, I'm okay, I'm going to fight this enemy. That's, that's the guy against me. And Jesus says, no, you are still going to be part of my plan, and I'm going to use you for good, right? So, point two uh, as we'll see in verses 15 to 18, is Jesus' commitment and denial. In our denial, or in this case, Peter's denial, okay? Verses 15 to 18. 
Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door, and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of these man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servant and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. So Peter and another disciple walk with Jesus, or follow Jesus down to the high priest's courtyard, right? And and this is weird. Peter reacts, and Jesus says no. He rebukes him, and and Peter still follows Jesus. And when he's confronted um, by a, a little girl... Um, and, I, and I think her voice was kind of like this. You ain't one of those disciples, is you? And he's like, heck no, I'm not one of those disciples, okay? Uh, but why would he deny himself to this slave girl, right? It's just, why would he not associate with Jesus in this, stand, in this circumstance? So this is like a little bit uh, like me. Like, I think this is how we can relate to Peter in this stance. It's like, we all have a breaking point, Right? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to commit to pray. I might show up to church a few times, but with my finances, I work for that money. That's my money. I'm not going to follow Jesus in that. You know, or maybe it's like the closet Christian. Maybe you have a couple friends that are great, and they're, they're, they're Christians, and you'll talk about Jesus around them, but in public, in school, um, at the game, no, nah, I'm not going to bring up Jesus. I want to have a good day today. I'm not going to step on any toes, right? Peter follows Jesus, and yet doesn't want anyone to know about it. Amen? Like, is this kind of relation? Is this only me that I'm, re- I'm relating to? Like, is, am I the only one in this boat? It's so easy to talk about the weather, sports, and how well my daughter is doing than bring up Jesus to my family and friends. Right? I, I call myself a follower of Christ, but I don't talk about him. Why do I deny him? Why, why am I like Peter? And, and I would say we are mostly like Peter because we're certainly not confident and in and um, get a surrender. We want to step up and say something and, and fight, right? So we were like Peter in the stance. And so my challenge for you is like, what's your breaking point? What is your breaking point? What's the point where you're like, okay, God, I want to follow you, but I'm not, not in this area. Not yet. I'm not ready. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's the way you use your home, right? Okay, who is this person that come into my house? We around my kids? No, you can't come in here. I don't know what it is, but where, find that breaking point. Would you pray about that and like, ask God to break through that? And it's a scary thing because for me, I'm pretty comfortable with my relationship. Okay, God, you're good. I don't want to move in this relationship with you. I'm good where it's at. Let's just keep it here. But would you have the faith and know that um, because of Christ, like he's the best thing in this world, that I'm going to pray that God would actually move my relationship with him so I could grow to be more like him. Amen? So do you see Jesus' commitment in our denial and commitment in Peter's denial, right? Peter denies um, Jesus two more times, and so we're going to skip to verses 25 to 27 and and see the two more denials from Peter. Now Simon Peter was standing, warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. 
One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. So Jesus prophesied, told Peter um, before, Hey, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's adamant. No, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. I wouldn't do that. I'm, I'm your disciple. What do you mean? I'm not going to say that. Um, again, I can relate in this, in this sense Hear me out. Is this for me and, and struggle and sin? I'm like, okay, God, I messed up. I know you know what's going on, but I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to try and better myself. I want to make sure that you're going to be happy with me. So I'm going to set um, rules and regulations and promises to, to keep me from these, these things. And City Light, rules, promises aren't going to change your life. But when you experience the grace that Jesus has given you, that changes your life. Amen? Here's the good news. Jesus is committed to weak and flimsy people that deny him. So, did Jesus love Peter the whole time? Yeah. Jesus loved Peter the, the entire time. He, he goes to the cross and, and dies for him and uses him later in the kingdom to, to spread his gospel and spread his name, Right? So we need to boldly proclaim Jesus, not out of fear, but out of joy that Jesus will never deny association with us. Not that we would never deny association with him, but he is perfect, and because of his sacrifice and submission to the will of the Father, we are righteous in God's eyes. So point two, Jesus' commitment in our denial, or Peter's denial. Okay, verses 19 to 24. We're going to see how Jesus is questioned and how he responds uh, to his questioners, okay? 19. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? And has sent him bound to Caiaphas to the high priest. So point three, final point, Jesus, control, and chaos. Okay, I'm about to whip out my sword. I'm going to stab that guy who slapped the Son of God in the face. Is anyone with me? Like, okay, I knew I was like Peter before, but then when I read this, Son of God, I don't know, I picture him like this. He's whapped across the face. I'm like, why did Jesus allow that to happen? This is the Son of God. He created this man who's slapping in the, in, in the face. Why did Jesus allow this, right? Why wouldn't he just... Kind of do what we do. Just, just, just take the easy way out. Okay, I'm submitting to the Father. God, you told me to walk to the cross. I'm going to walk to the cross. Okay, well, why, why is he going through, and, and why is John telling us uh, Peter's denial three times? And why is he going through this pain and this humiliation? Jesus doesn't take the easy way out. And, gosh, this convicted me. As I'm studying these passages this week, I think of, Jesus, I kind of put it in, this is how I have done this sinfully in my mind, of like, Jesus has gone through what you've gone through. Oh, yeah. That's how I've thought of it. 
But until reading this passage, these passages, and, and the events that take place until the cross, uh, I didn't realize like Jesus coming down to earth to, to be a baby, to learn how to walk, to have growing pains, to be slapped in the face. The Son of God was slapped by the hand that he created. Wow. Why am I belittling God? Why do I not truly believe that Jesus knows what it's like to be on earth? Austin says it all the time. God's not a, an immortal being sitting on the mountain waiting for us to climb up. And I never grasped it until I read for myself these, these passages. I never thought. I was like, God does know what I'm going through emotionally and physically, right? He, he knows the pain. This is the hardest thing. And as we said, it wasn't easy for him. He contemplated with God, God, is this what I have to do? Is this what I have to do? Do I have to drink this cup? So notice um, the difference between Jesus, his response to his questioners, and Peter's response, okay? Peter cowers at the questions and denies everything, denies all association. Jesus um, stands firm and, and, says, and doesn't deny anything, right? Peter whips out the sword. Jesus drinks the cup. Peter fights for, for himself, and Jesus surrenders for us. So why didn't Jesus have to defend himself? God's his defense, right? He didn't have to defend himself. Because of the plan of the Father, his submission to the will of the Father is much greater than him um, and this battle here on earth. He's going to fight sin and death and conquer sin and death, right? And it's the same for us. It's the exact same for us. Jesus is fighting for us. We don't have to fight for him or for ourselves. In this entire chapter, it looks like, okay, Jesus has lost his freedom. Jesus has lost control of everything. But no, uh, God and his confidence and surrender and commitment in our denial and Peter's denial and control and chaos, he just reminds us, I am in control. Be still and let me fight for you. You don't need to fight for yourself, as Exodus 14, 14 says. So for the believer in the room, do you know Jesus, but you've been denying him? Like my challenge for you, for the believer in the room, is there like a breaking point to where I'm going to follow Jesus up into this line, but no, I'm, I'm not after that, God. Let me handle it. I know what's smarter. I know what's more logical. I know what's going on here on earth, Okay. I got this. So would you pray about that? Would you pray into your own life and find out where that is and have God break through? And for the non-believer in the room, Jesus is loving, he's kind, and, he's, and as you're symbolically slapping Jesus in the face, he's giving you grace, right? God willing, would you uh, put your life in the hands of a king that died for sinners, that's the best news that you're going to hear is that a, a, an amazing son of God died for us, died for me. Would you do that by the grace of God? When all else seems lost and chaotic, Jesus is in control. Let's pray.